Alright, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm Connor, and I'm here as always with Calvin. Hey, thanks for having me. And we're talking about the worst person in the world today, a Norwegian film that uh, you and I saw recently. It was, uh, it's been nominated for a... Uh, best International best Feature. Yeah, and <laughs> it was really cool to go see it at like a tiny little theater, but those seats were so close together. I've never, My knees have never been more uncomfortable in my life. <laughs> yeah, and I kept tripping over the... Uh, like they had like cup holders on the ground, I think, right? Or what was it? I kept I kept running into something. The, di- the theater was so dark. I don't know. When we walked in, you were like, "Watch out, be careful!" <laughs> I almost I almost ate shit like walking in down the row. <laughs> uh, but this is directed by uh, Joaquin Trier. It came out uh, in 2021, and it's up for like we said, it's up for an Oscar. Um, it had a budget of 5.6 million. It's made 7.2, and we were we were a part of that, so I'm proud of that. Yeah. This movie was two hours and eight minutes long, and it did not feel that at all to me. It it like flew by. It was so much fun. This movie is like sneaky funny. Oh yeah. And I, I had a ton of fun with it. I it's unfortunate that it's it's not unfortunate that it's it's a Norwegian film because it's Norwegian. It's unfortunate that it was so good that if this had been in English you could have cut together a great trailer for this and the performances are great and it's just such a wonderful movie that I think it would have made a ton of money in the box office. So I don't like the idea of like only good films are in English or only films that do well financially are in English. It's just unfortunate that this is Norwegian so no one went and saw it even though it's just fantastic. So uh, what was your first impression of this? So my first impression was actually, I've been hearing noise about this film since it uh, debuted at the Cannes Film Festival uh, in July last year. Right. Um, And then it was uh, finally released um, in Norway uh, in October, pretty sure. And I've just seen it on so many critics lists um, at the top, like for movie of the year. I've seen a bunch of articles saying best movie of the year. Like. yeah, and like uh, like uh, rom com for people who hate rom coms, like it's a hundred percent. That's so that's I, so great, which is great because yeah, I don't like rom coms, and this in a lot of ways is that. But it, it like I said, it's it's sneaky funny. It, it puts those humorous moments in like just such like great places, and it's timed out so well that it's it doesn't feel like it's intentionally trying to be funny. It just feels so natural, you know. Yeah, I think the problem I always have with rom coms is that they're they're fantasies. Um, they're, they're specifically made for. Uh, people to get uh, warm, fuzzy feelings about like, oh, maybe my life could end up being that way. And what's what I love about The Worst Person in the World is how authentic it is. Yeah. It's not like, oh, maybe I will end up with Ryan Reynolds in the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, maybe he'll return to my small town and play hockey with some, <laughs> some <Yeah>. children. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, the big thing I wrote, it's like, it feels so dramatic at points, but it also just feels so real. Um, despite some of the surreal scenes, it feels really grounded. Um, so I didn't take a ton of notes on this film, and it's not because I don't think it's great. It's just because it felt like such a real story. It felt like something that, while not all of it I have taken part in personally, it felt like there was plenty of it that applied to me in my own life. So I think we're going to ask a lot of questions and have a good discussion about it, but I walked away from this movie just feeling like I watched something that just felt so real. And it's it's so odd to me, and I, I kind of maybe want to lead off with this first question is, why do we like movies that feel real? I think we talked in our Ready Player One episode about movies being an escape, and they're so often referred to as this is escapism. You and I left this movie loving it. Why do we love things that just feel real? 
Yeah, and I don't know because I was also on um, Rotten Tomatoes yesterday looking at uh, user reviews of Christmas Prince 3, and the users were like, man, this what great writing. And I don't know if you know what that <laughs> what is. What even is that? It's one of the Hallmark movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, I mean, it was like the first one was just like so popular that they did, decided to make a third one. And, this, and she's like pregnant in this one. And some and people like user reviews are like, oh, it's just so much fun, such creativity in the writing. And I was like, I have watched Hallmark movies. There is not a single real thing in any of them. No. People don't talk like that. Things don't happen like that. Um, people are not lit like that. There, like, it, there are just so many things wrong with like. Th- that's the thing is like. I think that art can be multiple things. It can be these ideas of fantasy, um, and some people really enjoy those. Like this, I, this idea of fantasy going generally down the road of uh, just consumerism now. But I think I think it is just so so difficult to recreate. Um, actual real humans on screen in an original story and make it engaging. And I think that is why we gravitate to them is because they're 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 far few and far between. And I think when you see someone recreating life, it tells something about real life in a different way than just a documentary would. Right. No, I think that's a really like succinct way to put it together because I, I, I did. I felt the same way. I was like, why do I like this so much? Like, it's just real life. But I, I got so much out of it. And I, I was like I said, it, it the movie flew by to me. And yeah. that, that to me is always a sign of like a movie that had me totally engaged where I didn't even realize how long it was. We we talk about um, The Power of the Dog. That movie is two hours and five minutes long. And I thought it felt its length. Mm. This was two hours and eight minutes long. And when I actually looked up the runtime for it, I was like, this has got to be like a 90-minute movie. And it, no, it had a whole a whole another half hour. I didn't even realize. It, it was just so wonderful to watch. And I just, I'm always fascinated by when I can come away with a movie that, like you said, it's hard to capture authenticity. So when you do it, it's, it just always, it, it, it works so well and it, it impacts you in a way that I think like like fantasy or sci-fi doesn't, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I felt like this this movie was so great because it just felt so real. And it's so fascinating to me that why do I find real life so fascinating when I'm already doing it? But then to capture it, it, it gives like that other perspective on it. So I thought this movie was great for that reason. Yeah. And I love, I think that's what I love so much about movies is about, you know, this is just real life and I see a lot of myself in it too, but it's also through the lens of somebody else. It's some, it's through the lens of somebody else interpreting it through the lens of a character. And so there's so many different viewpoints and so many different perspectives that I am gaining on life right now that enrich the way I look at myself, make me a better person, a more thoughtful person. And I think you come away from these films thinking like, oh, I want I want to do something. Either, you know, I want to make movies like this or I want to change something about myself. Like emulate a character. It's hard to be like, watch a Superman movie and be like, I want to be like that guy. Because it's so, it's so conceptual. It just can't be achieved. Yeah. But you watch a movie like this and you're like, you know what? Like there's a character that's like really concerned with climate change. Right. You're like, wow, like that seems attainable. That seems like if if I want to be if I want to be a part of that, this seems like a character I could model off of, which is I think it's it's part of what makes this movie so great. Yeah, and I actually think that's that, that's one of my biggest problems I think with Marvel movies and especially I watched a, I used to watch a lot of anime. 
And those are such idealized worlds with characters that like, oh, if you just everything will work out for you, if you just have a little more heart, you have a little bit more, um, you know, the right friends and and love, things will work out for you. Yell louder. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you just have the right stuff, then things will work out for you. And I think that is it's it was really terrible for me for a long time. Like I thought it was like, like life would just get better or like maybe I just need more of this. And it really ends up being like an, like an addiction almost like you need that extra uh, like dopamine because you've, you've left the show and you, you've kind of fallen off of that plateau back to real life. And we're like, Oh, this sucks. Yeah. I kind of like watching really shitty stuff because it gives perspective on on real life, whereas I don't think cartoons and uh, a lot of times do. They're they're meant to give you a, an idea of things that could be better, but they're so unattainable that it makes you it makes you hate your own life. Yeah. So just to kind of break the movie down a little bit, it follows the character Yuli, who she starts out in college. She's going to med school, or she pre med at the time. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. She stops going to med school. Because she says it feels too much like being a carpenter. This is my first fun fact of the episode. The actress is actually a carpenter. Like she was going to quit acting to pursue a career in carpentry because she had remodeled her house and was just fell in love with the woodworking. And so she was going to stop acting and start become a carpenter. So it's just funny to me that her character stopped, being, uh, stopped becoming a med student because she thought it was too much like carpentry. I just think it's a fun little fact. <laughs> that is funny. But it kind of just follows her life and like her development through different relationships. She's maybe a little more promiscuous at first, then she falls more in love with one man, and then she moves on to a different relationship, and you kind of maybe circle back to an older relationship in the end. And it's just kind of this progression through her life. And again, that's why it feels so authentic is because these a lot of movies just capture two hours of content, and it's like linear. Mm-hmm. This was over kind of a, I wouldn't say it's not a lifespan, but it's the lifespan of like several relationships. And so it, I think it's, it's over cool. four years. Yeah. So it's cool to like kind of capture that and isolate that. And like, this is what happened to her and this is her development through that time. So that's kind of like the basic uh, premise of the movie. Yeah. And I, I think it's so interesting how they've structured, they structured this movie. It feels very much like a book. There are 12 chapters with their, each with their own title. And, uh, I, I I, I, seen, I think that that worked for you since everything moves so quickly, but I wanted to know what you thought of that here. And like also uh, another thing it borrows from the literary tradition is this idea of narration, which is in some of the film. I wondered what you thought about that as well. Yeah, I, I thought it totally worked. Like everything in this movie, I thought it totally worked. At the beginning of the film, they say it's 12 chapters. And I was nervous that you would build up too many plot points throughout the movie that once you get to like 11 and 12 it's like oh man they need to wrap up a lot of storyline here so they're going to be cramming a ton into the like the last couple chapters and it didn't feel that way at all to me it felt like really evenly paced it felt like each chapter had its own story but then they were all collectively working together i i never felt like i was missing something or they needed to add something and at the end it really felt like you said like it felt like reading a really good book where you know you're getting to the end every every page you turn you feel like there's a, a little bit less at the end of the book and you start to get sad because it was so good. And that's exactly how I felt watching this movie. As a narrative tool, I thought the chapters actually totally worked. I think it could absolutely be a disaster in other movies, mm. but it was pieced together so well and each chapter seemed to have uh, a good story within it that I was I was uh, totally engaged the whole way through. 
Yeah, they didn't feel like they were just hitting plot points. I think that was one thing we talked about in The Power of the Dog was that a lot of shots and symbols just felt like we needed to make this known that it's a plot point and it applies to the ending. Whereas here, all of these things... I feel like this movie will feel like it's kind of messy because that's what real life is and it's a reflection of real life. Exactly. But I think this will look messy at first, but a lot of the motivations of the characters are there and they make sense. You just have to break it down a little bit. But I think I came away from this movie thinking like, oh, all of that, like it it felt it felt real, it felt cohesive. Um but it was still, there were so many moving pieces because although this is only really Yulia's story, um, you have all of these characters, all of these uh, these these friends, um, these boyfriends, their f- and these family members. Oh, there's that, plenty of parties too. Like there's yeah. a lot going on in this movie. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people moving in and out. But it never felt like they were just devices. They felt like they were still real people in and of themselves. Which is which why this movie works so good. Is it's not just it is just Yulia's story, but none of these characters um, served only to move Yulia's story. No, they felt like they fit in and it doesn't matter that people phase in and phase out of your life because that's exactly how life is. Like, I mean, I have plenty of friends that I was, I wouldn't say I'm like less close with now, but they aren't as involved in my life. You know, we've moved on. We live in different places now. I mean, you're an example of that. We we were really good friends growing up. And then for like years, I went and joined the Navy, came back and like we're friends again. Yeah, it's been like, it was like 10 years. Yeah. So I liked that. I liked, I liked how people moved in and out of her life. It again, lended to that authenticity where it's like, you know, not, not everyone needs to have like their own like subplot in a movie, which is how I felt Power of the Dog was. <laughs> um, but everyone, everyone functioned in this movie not to like serve her. They were all just like these like, I don't want to say accessory pieces. I, I feel like they, they were accessory pieces, but they were also, they didn't feel like accessory pieces because they had their own quirks and tics yeah. and things that would have you would have identified like, oh, that's a real person and they're not a plot device. It wasn't like, put this character in this scene, that way it can get Yulia to say a certain line. It, it right. never felt that way, which is, again, just led to, to, how, rel- uh, to how real it felt. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you a little bit about the uh, relationship uh, that Axel and Yulia's father have with her and like what uh, parallels you see between the two of them. I thought that was, I thought that was so interesting. I did not realize until the, uh, until I started writing my review, my ideas about all of this film, how integral um, the parallels that they created between the two were to Yulia's story. Cause you remember, so you remember when they first went to visit uh, her father and he's talking about like getting a check about like pancreatic cancer. He's like, Oh, it could be pancreatic yeah, cancer. He's just like, Oh, my back hurt. I couldn't come and visit you. And yeah, well this, the specifically the, the idea of pancreatic cancer, because that's the cancer ultimately oh, that, that Oxel gets. Yeah. yeah. At the end, which when you think about, uh, some of her past relationships, the the relationship with her uh, professor in college, right, um, and then Axel being so much older than her, and how distant um, her father is to her. He's a really terrible father, and this is a this is a psychological. I mean, it might be more of a pop psychology thing than anything like because I couldn't find an actual term for it. But most a lot of uh, therapists and counselors. Um, say that we marry our our mothers and fathers, especially those that we have poor relationships with, because 
what we're looking for are people that resemble these uh, people in our lives. Like in in her case, she's looking for a father figure, not because she's has daddy issues. Like that's that's derivative, and that's not my point. It's that usually you you it's like a redo. I want to this this relationship cannot be fixed. I want another context where this time I can fix it. I can have a good relationship with this man. Like actually have a chance to influence it. Yeah, okay. exactly. And like I cuz like you're you're so star- she's so starved for her father's love and won't doesn't want to push him on anything, but Axel sees it and that like Axel is enough for her. Axel's death is really like her saying goodbye to her father cuz she doesn't talk to him anymore. So Axel um is is so important in that he uh, is is a real character brings in other things into the storyline, but he is really why uh, or like Yuli Yuli is looking to uh, for him to fix the relationship with her father by just being with him, and that influences all of the other things. That's also why she leaves him for Ivan. See, I didn't make <laughs> maybe I, I just if I have a more shallow take. I just didn't capture any of that i more thought of it as just a. I actually really love the scene where they meet up with yuli's dad mm-hmm. and axel like steps up because uh like didn't don't they go to like um yuli's stepsister's soccer game or something yeah the tournament ran all weekend yeah and and the father was at that but she but he couldn't manage to go to yuli's birthday uh, party or anything like that so because I, of the tournament yeah but he said it was oh yeah i heard but okay. still it's it, it's obviously crappy and the whole point of that scene is to paint him in that way and another thing too he talks about like oh it's just you know the driving the parking down there is so you oh know my so God, difficult it's so bad and then it literally <laughs> cuts and they're on a bus going back yeah <laughs> so just to underscore like you didn't even need to there's no parking there's nothing to do with none of these excuses are real i like the the cancer connection definitely makes a lot of sense it's something i missed but I never thought, like, at least, maybe not, at least not personality-wise, because Axel's the one who steps up and, like, confronts the father, so... Yeah, it's not, it's not that, it's not those parallels. It's yeah. the, it's this idea that he is older, and that she has clearly been starved for this, this older male figure, which is also why that dream plays uh, into um, such... Oh, we'll it's, get into it's that. Also yeah. Big, yeah, it's also <laughs> very important, but that's a whole scene with a whole lot of moving parts. Right, no, no, I like, I like what you had to say a lot, I did that was just a nuance that I didn't capture. That's yeah. really good. And that's also why um, she starts to get this sense that she's she's living in the shadow of Axel, though. And which is, if that's a reflection of her father, too, which is, uh, which is why she needs to break up with him. And it begins with her seeing that she's ignored and not cared for still. Um not not necessarily, but like what's actually happening like when he's at like his little meet and greet. And oh, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up because yep. he's getting like uh, people want pictures and autographs from the comic book he's made, even though the book he's promoting isn't the comic book he's made. Right. Uh, yeah. But he's still popular from that. And she's like off to the side. And that's when she's like she's going to leave the party early. And that's when she runs into Ivan. But that is really kind of the catalyst, I guess, to push the story forward yeah and it's interesting too if you'll notice that she says that she's a doctor so what she's doing at that whole party is living out this fantasy of this person she wanted to be doesn't she tell she tells a couple moms at the wedding that she's at that cuddling their children makes them become psychopaths yeah (laughs) (laughs) and she says it with like confidence and she has enough like grasp on medical terminology that she can sound like she knows what she's talking about yeah and she's also like well well i'm also a doctor (laughs) and like the women are like kind of like well 
I still think that you're you're very wrong. <laughs> I just love it. Like she's just doing it to mess with them. Like yeah, yeah just it, it it brought so much humor to this movie. Right. And that's what it feels like the point. But it's also these underlayers of like, what are the motivations of a real person? And that's what's happening here is she wants to be something that she's not. She wants to have this expertise and have people listen to her in a way that people don't care what she's doing. Like there were that other couple that was asking like what she does at that party. And she's like, oh, I work at a bookstore. And they were like, oh, well, I'm going to go get some punch. Yeah, (laughs) it's all awkward and they move on. Uh, So we've talked about the her meeting up with Ivan and the wedding and everything. That's like their introduction. Uh, what do you think of, uh, are Yuli and Ivan, are they cheating during that whole scene? And does it even matter if they are? That one's so interesting. Um, I feel like, the, I feel like the fact that they're, they're asking the question means that they're, they are cheating. Like if this feels inappropriate, um, if I'm asking that if this is imp- inappropriate, then I would think it'd be inappropriate of my partner to do this thing. But they're just flirting with each other because they both need out of their relationships in order to move right. on with who they want to be. So that's really what that's about. But it's just, it's, yeah, it's a long, it's a long chapter of it them is, flirting yeah. like the whole night and being very <laughs> obvious about it. Yeah. There's peeing and everything. <laughs> I forgot about that. And then she just farts. <laughs> uh, I will say, you and I were the only ones laughing in the theater for a while for this movie. It probably took until like, I want to say like the fifth or sixth chapter where other people realized that this is supposed to be a funny movie. Because you and I were the only ones chuckling throughout most of it. And then like you get later on and it, you know, the rest of the crowd kind of got into it. But I think, I think I agree with you. If you have to ask if it's cheating, you've already... D- you've already decided somewhere morally in your mind that you shouldn't be doing it. I also don't think it matters because the story needed to move on and, and she will eventually end up with Ivan. And so you, you've now planted the seed. So for the sake of the movie, it doesn't matter if it was cheating or not because you need to progress. Yeah. I think it's just another one of those things. Like I think the whole, like I, I like, I like to think of this movie as just a giant, like it's slice of life in one way, but I like to think of it in like as a giant slice of millennial anxiety. Yeah, that's such a good way to put it. <laughs> I mean, it's just there's so many different ways of living. You can be a photographer, you can be a carpenter, I guess, or you can be um, a psychologist or a doctor. A writer, there, yeah. There are so many relationships and there are so many relationships that you need to fix that you can be with anybody. Um, and I think that's exactly what's what's happening here is she's really, she's really finding in this person that um, there is something else to her that she needs to free. I think that's really the point of this. This is not whether they're cheating. It's that I need to get out of this and I haven't gone through the steps to to break up with Axel yet, but there's this part of me that needs to be more alive and other I, things I need to, other ways I need to live. I think the whole movie is really kind of about this like sense of exploration of who you are. Mm-hmm. And so to, she's not in the right context to be with him yet, but she's in the right context to explore who she could be. And that's why I think like that scene is really important. It's not technically cheating, I guess, depending on uh, on who you ask. Um, but it's 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 important for like the development of the character, you know. Yeah, like because obviously, if that was like if that was your partner doing those things, it w- it raises questions about like how dedicated, like what kind of what are your thoughts on? I certainly this have questions about like their level of fidelity, but yeah, I, exactly. I don't know. I don't know that I, I would be like, well, okay, if if I watch someone pee, I'm sure Hannah would have a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I love that. That that was a 
that was one of my more favorite chapters of the film. Yeah. And I love, um, how much time it takes. There's clearly, it's not like a moment. Um, this movie strays, uh, makes a point to not characterize everything as single moments, but like moments of each stage of the flirt of the flirting process, you know? No, cause that would feel way more rom-com to me. That would feel like, Oh, just quick meetup at a wedding, uh, at a wedding and like quick hookup. And, and then they realized that they were, they work together or something later on. Like the new intern is hired and it's the girl that like he slept with or something like that. Like that is like, that's classic rom-com, but th- this is, this serves to progress both characters. Yeah, exactly. And it, 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 it wants to explore different ways of flirting and uh, just the, the way a whole night can go. And I think that's what's awesome. And I think that's also what works so well when we get to the breakup scene. And so she's left with all of these ideas and this this feeling from this party. And then when she really realizes that she needs to move on, she get you get the 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 surreal freeze scene. Everyone uh, has been talking about this scene in every review that I've seen. It's in all of the trailers where she's just running through the streets and everyone is frozen and they go on their little um, their little you know tryst. Which I love the scene. I think if you put in a trailer, it really ruins what people will think of this movie. It sets it up as kind of a, I guess, a surreal love story with like fun imagery and escapism and being alone because everyone else is frozen around you, which is not what the story is at all. I mean, it's the opposite of that. It's about all the conflict and all the other relationships in your life and the impact they have on the relationship you're in. So while I love the scene, I hated seeing it cut into the trailer because it completely undercuts what the entire movie is about. All that being said, I think it's a wonderful scene. Uh, Renate Rinsvi plays uh, Yuli, who we, we haven't even said their names yet. And then uh, Ivan is played by Herbert Nordrum. I think they have like great chemistry in this scene. And even though it's in this kind of fantasy setting where everyone's frozen around them, there's like great dialogue and there's passion between them. And so it made their relationship and their story feel real to me. I'm going to keep saying that throughout this whole thing. I just don't know how to describe it any other way. It just, even yeah. though it's in like kind of a, a quirky, fun scene, it it's, like, it all felt re- authentic. It's it, real in a surreal setting. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I could imagine meeting at a meeting at the park bench and, and having a, a really serious talk and, and finding out that I'm falling for someone else like that, that feels like something that could happen. It also feels like something that happens in rom-coms, but it, it's all played up and it's like, it always feels like it's like weird circumstances that put him in the place. The fact that she flips the switch makes it seem like it's all happening in her imagination. Like this is, this is like the turning point for her. She's now imagined how everything will work out with Ivan, and that's what leads to the breakup with Axel. She she feels like she could have a better connection with Ivan then, and so I like that it's played out in a surreal way. I obviously don't think it literally happened. That like wouldn't be cohesive with the film at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it does. It, it takes you into like her mindscape, and I thought it worked really well that way. So. I love a lot of things about this. I don't really, I don't really care. It's very tropey of uh, rom-coms for this type of, this idea of like, oh, time stood still and there was a magical moment. And I honestly don't remember a lot of the, uh, the dialogue between them there. Um, what I loved about that was how everything was edited. She flips the switch and everything freezes, right? She leaves and they go off um, and have their date all day and they, uh, you know, they 
they cre- they create this bond and they they uh, realize that they want to be together, right? Or at least she realizes she wants to be with him. But that goes all the way to another day, and she walks in to the same time the next day, yeah. and then flips the switch, which is amazing because what that says to me is it is the weight of imagination of a single moment when you feel all of it right mm-hmm. the other person the axel doesn't see any of it doesn't feel any of it because it just happened in a single moment in her head where she saw her future saw all of these things that she wasn't getting here or at least she needed to find to to become like her her true individualized self but the weight of that needed a whole scene but then you edit it that way and it it works so well in both it's a moment and it's everything because that is the weight of emotion is you can see the future of everything of all possibilities uh in the weight of an emotion that's what i mean right no okay i understand that that and that's what i loved about it is it wasn't it really wasn't about like the this quirky love story about how they met how they fell in love it's everything that's playing on in her mind like you were saying, like all of it's in, in her imagination. It didn't actually happen, but how they edit it together, it 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 makes you can see why what would feel like just a snap decision, right? Right. For for outside observers, is really just this this thing of this buildup of of feelings and ideas and um, subverted exp- expectations for your life for so long that it all comes to a head in one explosive moment. Could you imagine how bad this movie would be if they don't have that scene and she just then moves on to breaking up with Axel? <laughs> yeah. And there's no context like uh, of that scene and like her, the way she feels about Ivan. I think it, I think it would have been there like because the party kind of suggested it, but you really had to break it down. I think the I think that this movie works a lot better with with this free scene for sure. Yeah, I, I do too. We've talked about Ivan and how Yuli is going to break up with Axel. I kind of just want to address the breakup scene a little because it's, it's probably one of my favorite of the movie. I love how it captures like the different stages of a breakup. Like mm-hmm. there's like kind of the argument and like you're making a mistake, like you don't really want this. There's the, maybe the, the moments of reconciliation where you kind of realize that maybe you would work for a moment. And then there's like sex at the end and it turns out like they're really not going to stay together. I think a lot of movies just do the, the yelling and then you're done and then you move on from it. Mm-hmm. This movie really did a good job, and the way it's all edited together, it, it is kind of just a bunch of clips of the different stages of a breakup, but it's still all, like, it's really cohesive, and it's worked so well together, and I felt like, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I've, I've done a breakup like that, or at least had, like, stages of a breakup like mm-hmm. that. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, but it also doesn't feel like well, we got to hit every note of, like, up of plot points. Um, this is how breakups go in a very linear fashion. It's just this kind of thing that we keep coming back to in terms of uh, we just keep popping into different different time frames of a conversation. And that's why, and it felt so organic that way. And normally I love just sitting in things and letting things breathe and, and watching like true real life. But sometimes there's just like the way that the, the actors had changed their characterizations and their mannerisms in each stage of this really told me like 
that we were in a different time and that we were in a different point of the of the argument of the discussion and it flowed so much better than i would normally like like yeah i know i don't love jump cuts i think my um reaction to uh Macbeth's jump cuts um, oh yeah you didn't love that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was already i was already primed to not like things like this but when you when it's done well and done correctly this is what it looks like these techniques work well when they're not really the point. They're working for something else. I think you could have even swapped around the the cuts too, like each scene. I think you could have yeah. popped them in, and they all would have. It would have all still worked because mm-hmm. it just all felt like stages of of the breakup. I think what you're talking about, like lingering on a scene, that's a very Ari Aster version of a breakup, which yeah. I'm sure is much more sad and much more creepy. <laughs> but <laughs> there's, this a, movie, there's this, a there's a yeah. there's a few more rituals involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was a much more like. I, I, I don't really want to refer to it as like quirky all the time because it's kind of not. It's because I don't really think life is quirky. And this it's, was just real to me. It's just quirky in the way that this is not how we're normally told stories, exactly. especially romantic ones. So it feels quirky because it's different, because it breaks a lot of trends. Um, and it, it tries to be as real as possible, which it's weird that we have to, we describe a movie as being quirky that's trying to be, as good a reflection of real life as possible we get we get so few of these that it's weird (laughs) so at the end of the breakup scene we see axel standing with just a shirt on and the bottom half of his body is naked (laughs) and i really praise you for this because when we finished the movie you had mentioned like it was really interesting to see a movie that like sexualized men the way that most romantic romantic comedies sexualize women and Trier actually said this. I found that in an interview that he wanted to have a scene that it was from Yuli's gaze and a woman's mm-hmm. gaze where like sexualizing a man that she had been with and having him be naked for that scene. So you nailed it on the head. That was exactly the point of that scene was to having having male nudity in the scene the same way most romantic, not most romantic comedies, but the same way romantic comedies may use uh, female nudity in the scene, which is so funny to me because it seems like the main audience for rom- romances or romantic comedies is women. So why would you not have it through a woman's gaze? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I also, one of my other favorite ones is like they're, uh, she's about to have sex with Ivan. They're being playful and she pulls down his pants and licks his butt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is just Great. like, it felt so authentic. Like, yeah. wow, they, they be, she really got up in there. <laughs> There's a lot of comfort between those actors, apparently. Yeah. I liked... But I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it when you said that. It's maybe not, it's not something I realized right after watching the movie, but you caught it like right away. You're like, oh man, it's, it's interesting to see it. Like this is, a woman would be walking away looking back at the, the man she's left and, and his peace and everything, you know? And it was, it was, it's a neat uh, perspective to take that you mm-hmm. don't usually see in films like this uh, or in like uh, romantic comedies. Yeah, because like we this, do so. clearly sexualize uh, Yulia a lot. I mean, she's naked in a lot of, a lot of places. Um, but it, yeah, so it's 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 interesting to see that like it's it's nudity is played on both sides of the gender equation equally. Well, not maybe not equally because we have so much more of Yulia than we do the other two. So it's really about like her sexual experiences. So she's a predominant figure. But I think the idea is that like she wants to have sex as much as the guys do. When yeah, I think a lot of movies are like, oh man, like. I'm going to this wedding. I'm going to get laid or whatever. Yeah, exactly. A la Blade Runner. We got to rape everybody and take out all the love of <laughs> oh anything. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, that, movie is, that movie is so like a product of its time. Like, <laughs> like that was just so much more appropriate back then. 
I well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, if you want to know like uh, why we're complaining about it, like we did a commentary on it. Like there is a real love scene filmed between Harrison Ford and that android, and they're like, "This doesn't work. He has to force <laughs> yeah. her to have sex." It's so weird. And then yeah, like it's supposed to be a love story, and I never, I never understood that because like yeah, like, why would she love him? She like he literally just threw her up against the wall and. Well, like even 2049 builds on it like it was supposed to be a love story too. Yeah. Like clearly everyone understood this is a love story, right? They loved each other because look at how upset he is over her. That he had to leave her and everything. It's like, dude, Ugh. you're a creep, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, we've I've, I've kind of mentioned what I think Ivan's role is in this film, but what what do you think Ivan's role is? And like, obviously like Ivan left Savina for her obsession with, climate crisis so why does he still seem to care why does he carry that on and also like why did ivan have a baby like what what with all of these actions that ivan does what does he really mean to the the cohesive message of this story i just think of it more as like a maybe a step towards like Julia, like unlocking like an aspect of herself that she wanted to that she felt like she couldn't do with axel I actually like that he's still, he's recycling. He still finds climate change to be important. And I think that's also really represents how a lot of people feel even when they leave relationships. Like I know there are things that I grabbed onto from like exes I've had. that I was like, that's like actually pretty great. I'm glad I learned about this or I can inherit that trait. So I, I think, I think that he functions well for that reason. I don't think it's weird. I think there's a little bit of the story where he's like still following her Instagram and she's like putting up like lewd pictures and stuff. And it's sort of meant to seem like maybe he's like following her for that reason. But I don't think he is. I, I think it's more that he's just, he still finds some value in the relationship he had with her, mm-hmm. which I think is important to the story. And I think that Yuli finds value in the relationship that she had with Axel, even though she's no longer with him. I think, I think again, that just lends to how real it felt is like, I, I'm different because of previous girlfriends I've had. And they all led me to be the person that I am with the relationship I'm in now. And so I, I like that he still holds on to aspects of that. And, and I think it just, I think he more functioned in the story to like lend more authenticity to it and, and, and allow Yuli to like experience a different part of herself that she wasn't getting with Axel. And like, we'll get into like the mushroom scene later, but like, that's something she would have never done with Axel. Mm-hmm. So it's just another aspect of herself. But yeah, I totally, I, I totally agree because like, yeah, we, we create ourselves out of other people. We're bits and pieces of our of all of our relationships, which is exactly what I love about when I realized that Axel is a reflection of uh, Yuli's relationship with her father. It's I need my my father damaged me in such a way that I need a, I need a reroll. I need a rerun on on this type of relationship, and I need to do it over, and I need to fix it this time. And that's that's how, that's affected her. And now she's realizing, okay, if I want to, I need to escape that and then be my own self and that's what's so cool about ivan is because he then breaks up with yulia because he realizes he really does want a baby because and she doesn't and i think that's that's so interesting how we're different people we we change ourselves to suit the person around us and it's not like this i feel like there's a, a lot of um buzzy psychology uh psychology out there that you know it's manipulative or like no like you just make um concessions uh and compromises with people you're around and you may not like them um but you learn things from them and you change because of it and that's ivan is such an important character for that because he goes through so many different stages um 
but he's not like the point of the movie. And that's what gives him his authenticity is he's, he's slowly insinuating that he took things from Savina that he felt were worthwhile. He just couldn't, he couldn't deal with her level of fanaticism. Right. Um, and then he does, and he does actually want kids, and that's a that's a change for him. And when he realizes that, it's because he is with Yulia, who doesn't. Did you think like the little offshoot story with Savina? Did that work for you? Where she like realizes that she's. Uh... I thought that was so interesting. I thought that that the the impetus for her change, that clearly emotional uh, moment, where with that uh, reindeer or yeah. that elk, um, I thought that was really authentic. I think that the the motivation for where she went from it was was real, and then it became something way way bigger. I, I think that that like you could say like why did I feel this and then find out well I'm part of this culture, I'm interested in finding this. I love that say she's like one sixteenth or something. She was three point one percent. So I understand it to to a degree, and then she just kept snowballing on top of it i actually want to know what your thoughts are on like there's a lot of buzzy social topics in this movie like feminism misogyny cancel culture climate change um uh native rights there's a lot of stuff here um what 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 do you take away from what these things bring up because it doesn't feel like the movie ever ever answers any of the of why they're there or an answer on any of these topics I'm going to refer back to what you said about millennial anxiety because mm-hmm. I think that's how everyone feels in that generation. It's mm-hmm. like there's all these topics, there's all these things floating around. We don't really have an answer for it, which is why I think it works out that this movie doesn't answer any of those. Yeah. Because also, it's, it's also not the point of the movie, but to to bring them up and be like, we still don't know it quite right. And then to to add in like it's kind of like for that generation, like people who are like, oh man, I have all these questions and I feel like I know the right answers and I feel like I can... I can motivate change in a certain way, but like it's not quite happening. So I, I think all those all those topics floating around in the movie worked really well for me. And I also like it didn't like it didn't try to like bog you down in it. Like it didn't become a movie about a feminism or misogyny or about cancer. Uh, uh, sorry, about cancer. What well, does culture. become about cancer? It does. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't become a movie about cancel culture or or anything like that. There is like a really great scene. Uh, what he's on that radio show. Where Axel's on the radio show. <laughs> It doesn't say it's like if my cartoon character, if I was being the cartoon character, like I would call you a whore right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love the way it's edited together at the very end. The the hosts of the radio show, they're like, like the, yeah, they're like, yeah, this is this is offensive and we're cutting off now. Yeah. And they're like, the, the correct term is sex worker. And that just like but it just cuts. It just cuts. <laughs> and it's edited so well. And it, it got a, that was one of the scenes that got like a really good laugh out of the crowd because it is it's like it is a topic that's addressed and it's. It's a topic that's brought up in the movie, but not like fully addressed. Mm-hmm. And it's just in there just enough to let you know that this is a part of the world, but it's not the point of the movie. So I actually, there's a lot of stuff floating around in this. A lot of these, like you said, buzzy topics. They never, they never overshadow or overtake, I think, the relationships or the point of this film, though. Yeah. And I think that like what the, it handles like the idea of climate change in two ways. Like it, it, it kind of critiques uh, Suniva. So yeah, I, I love how the movie addresses climate change in two ways. It, 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 it seems to suggest that there is a moderate way of looking at it um, with uh, Ivan. You know, he does the normal 
the normal everyday type of uh, things you can do about climate change, reusable, recyclable, recycling, knowledge and awareness of these types of things. And it kind of it kind of makes a caricature, uh, caricature of Suniva and uh, her going off the deep end. Although, I mean, it might be the proper response for climate change if everybody just acted like that. So if it doesn't feel like I they're... think if everyone just acted like Ivan, it would probably make a big change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's so that's the thing. Like, yeah, like if everyone just acted one of these one of these two ways, we'd certainly be in a better place. But yeah, so I, it doesn't treat them equally. But so it seems like it's suggesting one thing over the other. But it does bring you know different ways of of looking at both of them. Um, and I think that that the entire discussion of Axel and his and his comic is interesting in that. I think that the problem of it isn't so much the subject matter of his comic. It's the way which both of them just both deeply misunderstand the, the other person's problem or other person's viewpoint. So it's, it's an argument Um, because I think Axel is actually making about to make a really good point. Like my cartoon self calling you a whore. And that's his misstep because that just creates outrage. I think there is, I think there is a, 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 he's getting at a real point about what it means to like represent terrible things and bad things and lampoon them. I think that, the problem that a lot of people have is that satire can sometimes be taken very literally. And it's like, I feel like that way about South Park sometimes. I love South Park. I think South Park is hilarious. I also think a lot of people with really backwards ideas think that South Park is just, is making fun of the other people and not them. And so they, so that's the problem. Which is your biggest mistake with South Park. It's making fun of everyone. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, and that's like the thing, like everybody's wrong. And it just creates this, this, we've talked about this before. It creates this, this uh, landscape of nihilism. And that's not the right way of looking at this. There are proper ways about going about, um, the world like the, we've we've already discussed we've already decided that things that there are moral things that exist like not killing people because it allows other people to continue living and that's a biological need for all of us so just at a basic level there are ways that we have to agree on and you cannot have pure nihilism and so that's really i think like the, the it's all building blocks on things that we can understand, but we've or that we can agree on, but we've moved past a lot of them and this topic specifically that we all have a problem with, but we don't understand where we agree. It's just on this thing that we are so far apart on. We don't realize how many things that we, uh, the, the ways in which that we do see the world the same way. And that's a big ranty thing for, I think that this film just brings those ideas up and, that that's really it's not trying to say anything on misogyny or on um cancel culture or anything like that it's just like this is things that millennial people deal with yeah i don't think it's a critique on it i just think it's bringing i want to say like awareness to it i guess Mm -hmm. no i i agree that it's just it's just fun to have those i i love that scene on the on the radio it's one of my favorites of the whole movie yeah exactly (laughs) all right so relationships in the pressure of time are central to the movie uh, but they don't really feel like the point of the movie. Uh, I wonder like what you think of that. Like, how does it function in this? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's so strange. And I think it's really summed up in, um, Axel's, uh, when, when Axel is, uh, dying, you know, he's been diagnosed with cancer and Yulia takes him on a little field trip to, um, his childhood flat. I'm pretty sure it was a flat. I mean, it was upstairs, so I'm sure it was a flat. 
Um, but they're talking. He's talking about people like, in America call them apartments. But yes, I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, but he the, the, he took her to this uh, this window that had stained glass, and it was red and yellow, like the comic, like the colors he used predominantly mm. in his comic. And he talked about how this was how he looked through the world, and what he saw were through these colors. And I think that is exactly what's going on with relationships and time like time is everything in this film it's it's you know you have to go to school and do this at a certain time you're at this age that you need to do this thing oh you're 30 and you're you're still working at a bookstore or don't have kids stuff yeah like that, you yeah. don't yeah you don't have kids when you're gonna have kids um uh you know her dad is getting old not there for her birthday um and still just a, like non-existent in general. Um, you have the time like climate change, like time needs, it, things need to be taken care of right now. Ivan isn't going anywhere in her life. And that's a problem with you for Yulia. And that's also the biggest problem. between. Yeah, doesn't she criticize that? She's like, are you happy just working at a coffee shop for the rest of your life? Yeah. yeah like you're same age and you're working at a bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the biggest thing like between Axel and Yulia is that they're, they have a time gap between in their relationship. So time is everything here. And all of this is expressed in all of these relationships. But I think of them as these window panes, the same way that Axel does, that they're a way that we look through our lives and look through to ourselves. And they paint the picture of what what's really happening, happening internally in all of us. And here, that's exactly what's happening. It's it's all about Yulia and her uh, metamorphosis, her change over these years. And it's all of the impressions and the constraints of time and the impressions that relationships have have left on her and how they have uh, changed her throughout the years. I like it, too, because you you could look at it. You know, she wanted to write, I think, when she was with Axel. And, yeah, that too. And then when she's with Axel, he's dying and he's looking at these window panes. She's moved on to wanting to become a photographer by this at this point in the film. And so instead of capturing Axel's story through writing, she's going to capture it through a camera, which, like you said, it's like her metamorphosis through it. It's like a different way for she's she's still herself, but she's expressing it in a different way. And it's a it's just a wonderful little like heartfelt moment between them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that whole end scene is just it's a different pace and it's de- a lot more philosophical, but it leaves such a strong impression on her. That chapter is probably, I want to say, uh, it's slow, but not in a bad way. It's probably, a, I, I didn't like time them out, but I think it's probably one of the longer ones. Like mm-hmm. you said, there's a whole field trip. There's a lot of stuff that takes place in that. He talks about being afraid of dying in the car and everything. And there's a lot that happens in that chapter. But I think it's all like broken down well, like just taking him back to his home and his like reflecting on his life and everything. And then that she gets to be a part of it at the very end, knowing that she mattered to him and he still matters to her. I thought the most heartbreaking line in the whole movie, and I almost cried, is he's just, you know, he's at the end of his rope. He knows he's going to die. He doesn't feel like he's really fulfilled anything, didn't have kids. Like he did a lot of things, left a mark on the world, but he feels like he has so much more time to do everything. And then he just kind of breaks down. He's just, I just want to live in my flat. Yeah. And I, and it was just so simple. Like, just like, I, I don't want to, it's not even like, I don't want to die. That feels like a trope that everyone says because yeah, well, obviously nobody wants to die, but this is a, a concrete thing that this person, this individual has a vision for how he wants to live his life. 
and he can't. Yeah. That is, that was soul crushing in a movie that was so more or less upbeat throughout the whole, um, throughout the whole thing. You get to this point and it's just the soul crushingness of not having the simple pleasure of just living. Do you think that this part of the film sucked the wind out of it for you? And by eliminating the humor that was kind of prevalent throughout the film, did that work for you? Or do you think that the movie just needed a, a minute to be serious because that's how life is too? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think that's like exactly, I, it worked so well for me because it really was like, um, I saw one review that was uh, talking about like, oh, this film, like uh, Joaquin Trier doesn't care about uh, Yulia's uh, professional prospects. It's all about her sexual life and all about her relationships. And, you know, it's all about Axel's professional life and stuff. I was like, that's the point. She has not been working towards those goals and realizes then when uh, uh, like the best relationship that she's ever had is like he is dying and he has no more time. Like, oh, this, I kind of need to, I think I should take things seriously. Like I could be a mother in nine months and I don't know what I'm doing, who I am. Like I really, I really need to try and fi- actually find myself and not just jump from one thing to another. Cause she says that specifically about not following through anything that maybe she should have a child for that reason. And I think that's, it's, it's a culmination of everything that was already happening in her life to come to this moment where Axel is dying. It, it works, it works perfectly as a change of tone and a change of pace for her and the story. Right. No, I totally agree. That is a terrible take on this movie. It is about the relationships. It is about her development. It is not about her career. If you want to watch a movie about career, go watch The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's not what this movie's about. Yeah, and it was like it was like it was like <laughs> That's a terrible take. Yeah, it was like a neo-feminist take that like uh the, you know, he's limiting her um uh you know, her her mark on the world like because he doesn't he doesn't show these things he doesn't talk about him them and i was like no man you missed the whole point like she was the one holding herself back because she couldn't make decisions she couldn't make choices because that is one of the problems that everyone uh in the millennial generation struggles with everything is at our fingertips and yet nothing is accessible yeah i think on this podcast we often like feel like we understand what the movie was trying to say, what it was trying to do, maybe come up with critiques or ideas to improve on getting that message across better. Mm-hmm. But to just the way that, that that article or whatever review you read made it sound is this is just a person who has their own idea. The movie didn't fit that. And now they're going to criticize it for not for not reaching that uh, that opinion that they had, which I don't think is something that we do. I, I don't, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that take at all because then it, ma- it makes me feel like you didn't watch the movie. Yeah, did, did we even watch the same yeah. movie? <laughs> um, I think the last, um, before we get into like maybe some bigger things, I really, I want to break down the mushroom scene because that might be the whole, the best, my favorite scene in the whole movie. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought they did a good job on some of the visuals of it um, from what I've researched. Yeah. Also, from my research, it sounds like it's a very good depiction of what it's like to be on shrooms, other yeah. than like the visions. Yeah, I I thought the idea of like a looking at the floor and having the patterns change and stuff. 
that's something you see in like midsummer too just like kind of patterns showing up and changing uh, so for that i thought it like worked out really well yeah exactly all wavy and i guess you know i really probably should have brought up the visions when i was talking about the parallels to axel and her father because that's what she's seeing there is she's seeing axel and she's also seeing oh what's the what's the wolf that he, his cartoon wolf oh it's like a little cat isn't it? Oh, Bobcat. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Bobcat. Bobcat. Yeah. Why did I think it lo- the way it opened its mouth to eat the sandwich that was the baby that she birthed? Yeah, it looks like the Cookie Crunch wolf. Yeah, exactly. But it's <laughs> oh, Bobcat. Cookie Crisp. <laughs> yeah, Cookie Crisp. <laughs> um, but it's also her father, and, um, you know, she strips naked and decides to pull her tampon out, fling it at the door at her or at her father. Wildly and, fun like, scene. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, war paint. I am woman. <laughs> <laughs> just wipe her period but uh, that is it was so i mean that was the point i think when everyone realized like oh this movie is funny why is that not the scene that people are talking about in articles because that's like that's like the most fun scene in the whole movie it's wild yeah. it's so so funny and i think you are right because it's like kind of mid-movie when that starts happening and that's when the the audience that we were with they started getting more into realizing this is funny it's not like avant-garde foreign film it's like it's just supposed to be funny too yeah <laughs> which is interesting because they're right there i think that's the biggest indication that axel and um axel is a reflection of her father because they're both in the in that uh vision right and that's who she's throwing it at and axel is laughing at him and that's that's why axel is so important is because she's trying to fix the relationship with her father and instead decides to eschew him entirely and that's exactly what she did with axel right what did you think about her being represented as like an old woman that was yeah that was really fun i feel like that was just like from my research you just kind of (laughs) (laughs) um uh being on shrooms kind of gives you like you just feel weird and i feel like she what she did is she uh felt the idea of like what it's like to be pregnant and old and like and then took on that feeling and that's really what that was about i don't know i don't understand why she was groped by all of those people but that was it's also why this movie was not probably released in america (laughs) (laughs) i i still thought it was uh yeah, that's what I took from it, too. I didn't think it was meant to represent something, or I just thought it was supposed to be a part of the trip she was on. Yeah, so. just another layer of her anxiety. I love in the morning when she meets up with Ivan, and he's like, you should probably shower. And she, like, <laughs> touches her face. She's like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go shower. Like like, that, that's a good idea. That realization that that part of the night actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful, <laughs> which I feel like if anyone else has done their research... They they probably run into the same situation, realizing like, oh man, I something may have happened last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think that in a, in a in a funny way, uh, a silly way, that was still a really important um, uh, scene thematically um, and symbolically. So to work on so many levels at the same time is fascinating. Yeah, like I mentioned before, that's not something she would have done with Axel. Right, right. So it it was a part of her, yeah, well, it's a, a fun scene and everything. It was part of her developing. It was part of her moving on, and she needed she needed to have Ivan for that. She didn't need Axel for that. Who also only had those because of his Sami girlfriend. Yeah, which is another part of, like, you take parts of relationships that you've been in, and they carry on with you, yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so uh, there aren't a lot of formal techniques that that make this movie feel high-minded and yet i would describe it as exceptionally high-minded is there like 
is there like a single element that you can think of that that really makes it that way? I I don't know if there's a thing that I can point to of why I feel that way. Uh, one of the things I look to visually is the way it's lit. Mm. And I think more movies that are trying to take themselves seriously probably lean towards like that more natural lighting. Like there's a couple parties and the one I really want to point to is when uh, Yuli's with Axel's family and they're dancing and it's, it's just like poorly lit. It's like dim lights in the room. And I imagine like that scene taking place in like Van Wilder or like the hangover <laughs> and it's like brightly lit and like everyone's partying and it's like out of control. And like that's more what you would see in movies. But this is just like a really intimate little moment. And I think that's part of what lends to it being like maybe a little more high, high minded. Uh, it's trying to take itself more seriously while still being funny. And it's because it's, it's not overdone. It felt natural. It felt like this is a real party that you would have with uh, uh, either uh, your family or a couple of close friends. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's part of what lends to it to me. It's just like visually it, it felt like it wasn't trying to be artificial in any way. It wasn't using mm. any techniques that would uh, brighten anyone up. And there's not, it didn't seem like this is very touched up or anything either. Yeah, a lot of the lighting felt very naturalistic, like everything was coming from the windows and not from interior light sources, bounce boards or artificial lights. There's even like some sound and like people are arguing like outside the door and it's all muffled up and it's it's supposed to bring tension uh, between Axel and y- Yuli. It's not supposed to be about listening in on the argument or anything like that. It's just a part of the environment they're in. And so like that to me, that all that all blends together to make this movie feel like really real and authentic. And I think when you get a movie that's done, when you get a movie that's doing that, it does. It makes it feel more high-minded. It doesn't make it feel like a wedding crashers, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which that movie is not trying to be high-minded at all. <laughs> I mean, they cast Owen Wilson. Do you think of him as high-minded? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, w- I would criticize Vince Vaughn or Will Vince Ferrell. Vaughn, or... Vince Vaughn is in True Detective. So somebody somewhere thinks that he is high-minded, even though I watched... I watched maybe half of the first uh, episode of the second season. And I was like, you guys don't understand no why way. the first season of True Detective worked. You have missed every single note of what made it so interesting and so compelling. And you have about five storylines. There weren't that many storylines in the full season no. in the first one. I thought Colin Farrell was fine, but Vince Vaughn was totally miscast. <laughs> totally miscast so maybe maybe vince vaughn was the misstep for wedding crashers i think so (laughs) well no i don't think it's a misstep for wedding crashers because that movie was trying to be stupid (laughs) that's what i mean like Uh, if they were trying to be high-minded they probably wouldn't have cast him if you cast vince vaughn as axel in this movie then it's really bad (laughs) i can totally see him though like arguing about how his his wolf uh, or his bobcat with the st- with the star needed the butthole. But, oh yeah, like. <laughs> I don't want to see his bottom half naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I guess is there anything else that makes this feel like it's high minded? I just the only thing I would feel like that's high minded is that there are so many layers here all working together. It's not a single thing. It's that they all work together, and uh, some of them are aren't obvious it's all it's like like what i was thinking describing time and relationships there are so many different um 
ways that you can look at the the central story and get a slightly different color. It's kind of like what I mean, like with the window panes, you look through different panes and you get a slightly different color on what the, the central story means or what it really is. No, and I get that because I think I already established that there was like things I didn't catch that you did. So obviously we're like looking at the story a little differently. Like I, I didn't associate some of the stuff with like Axel and the father and everything like that. So I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't think this movie is as layered as you think it is though. Oh yeah. You don't think so? No, I, I feel like we just keep pointing out. I keep pointing out things or finding things like as we're talking about, like, oh, yeah, this works. This is here. Not because like the shrooms weren't just there out of happenstance, out of coincidence, out the way they are in every other movie. They're there for a very specific indigenous ritual that he had left over from his uh, relationship with his girlfriend. I just left that movie and just walked away feeling like, wow, what a real story. I didn't really feel like I... I needed to like dive really deep to figure anything else out about it because I felt like part of those part of the story was already like applying to me. So mm-hmm. I, I felt like mm-hmm. I, I felt like maybe I understood it in like an intimate way already. So I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really feel like I needed to like go very deep into uh, maybe more the nuanced aspects of it. Yeah. And what I mean too, is like, I came away from that feeling. I wanted to know why it functioned so well that You're way. You're just a deeper man than I am. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I just feel like, yeah, like uh, this is one of those movies that everything felt intentional and it felt it wasn't one of those ones where it was like, oh, that was just we just had some a bag of things that looked like shrooms on set. So we decided to write a whole scene about shrooms. You know, I feel like that always that's always something that comes up. Um, we're going to talk about that a bit in uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. There's a lot of things that I that just came up because. They just were quirky. They were just weird. Um, I, the, the the story I, I think is really interesting is uh, uh, Jordan Peele was actually reading um, like fan interpretations of uh, Get Out. And so there's that scene where the girl is eating the Fruit Loops out of the bowl like, right. one by one without milk. And they were like, oh, that was so interesting how she separated the colors. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the colors from the, from the white milk. And he was like, it's actually just because she's fucking weird yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so i think that's like yeah like like here like i feel like everything is intentional and it and it works it's intentionally working together no okay that makes more sense to me i i i do think everything is intentional i think you can have things that are intentional and they're not like high-minded you know what i mean right and that's yeah exactly it's not like the the shrooms themselves were this this high-minded symbol or anything it's how they got there in the first place and how everything um it's just a has small arms connected it's just like the the crazy person uh you know like charlie um oh yeah <laughs> from <laughs> it's always sunny to explaining his giant plan and how everything's connected i feel like that's how everything works here and it's not that individual things are high-minded but the way they're all woven together is extremely high-minded so as a whole composition it's it's really that it's a whole composition that works it's not single elements that are like oh yeah that's what makes a good movie i think you could take a, th- these are all things that you could put in a bad movie. Like you could take scenes, you could take actors, you can take mannerisms and put them under the mo- other movies, and they're still bad. Because I mean, look at like how we rated Power of the Dog. As a composition, it's bad, but all of the elements themselves are very good. Yeah, yeah, it, it hit all the notes. It just didn't put them together in the right way. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. No. Okay, I can agree with you. 
when you said high-minded, I thought more of a, uh, about a movie like Enemy. Like it's very conceptual and there's a lot going on in that. That's yeah. what I thought of like high-minded. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I, I, I can see what you're saying. Like it's it's meant to be, It's everything is supposed to be um, transcend what the actual uh, object on the screen is. And I don't like think... to symbolize something else. And I didn't think this movie was doing that, but I, I, I get what you mean about like it, it's intentional. Yeah, exactly. Like high-mindedness in, in, in the way that everything works together. Um, high-mindedness in the idea that I am creating a, a coherent piece and every element works on different levels with different characters for different reasons, but they themselves are not really that important. Yeah, okay. Yeah, for that reason, then yes, this is definitely high-minded compared to your average rom-com. Absolutely. <laughs> like, this, is, this is a movie that I think you, you can really enjoy without like paying attention to it uh right yeah i don't you could you could throw out our entire discussion and just watch it face value and like wow like that's just amazing yeah but then like you said like kind of figuring out like why why would they even have shrooms like that's a that's it is there for a reason like that everything is in a place and it makes sense why it's there Mm -hmm. yeah so i agree with you i agree with you for that so my final question is who is the worst person in the world so when i think of that I think of relationships I've been in before where maybe I haven't acted a certain way and I, I've, I've gone away from that feeling like I'm the worst person in the world and other people have gone through that, I'm sure. And I think that's kind of the tone and the point of the whole movie. I think every character at some point feels like they were the worst person in the world. Even though Yuli is the, the character whose perspective we're taking on, it's not about her being the worst person in the world. I was actually kind of confused by the title after watching it because I was like, I don't think any of them are. I think it's more about like maybe just at certain points in our lives we feel that way. Yeah, and it's interesting too, like because the only, the the person who does say it is Ivan, and it's about uh, his relationship with uh, Saniva, and when he leaves her, and I think just in in general about like. Um, well, it's not actually when he leaves her. It's just like he, this anxiety that he wasn't doing enough for the environment was eating at him in such a way that he felt like the worst person in the world. And I think that right there, that kind of throwaway line is really what encapsulates all of the, the buzzy social topics that we were, that we were discussing and that, that the film has brought up and all of the choices that were presented constantly with professions, with relationships, when to have kids. And we don't seem to be following the pattern that everybody else has set up for us, like older generations, when are you going to have kids? Like there's all of these expectations that make us feel like we are not at the point we need to be, that we are somehow failing someone, somewhere, something at all times. I feel like that's exactly what this is. Like we all at times feel like the worst person in the world, even though you could argue that there's not nobody in here in this entire movie did anything wrong. No, I, I definitely went into this after the, the trailer and everything. I was like, oh, this is going to be a movie about how your, your main character, Yuli, is like, like screwing over every boyfriend she's ever had or something yeah. like that. Like that's sort of what I thought. I was totally like, expecting that. I was like, if you title a movie that way, that's probably, and that's probably just my dumb American brain and how movies are advertised here that I just, that's what I expected to see. And then I went through the movie and I was like, no one was bad, really like inherently bad in this movie. Yeah. Everyone makes like decisions that hurt people, but that's just life. And so I, when I left the movie, I was like, I don't really get the title. It sort of just feels like that's just how life is. <laughs> You know? Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think that just really, it just really sums everything up. It's, yeah. And that's, really, and wonderful. that's really everything. This, this movie is a, is 
A depiction of the sum of feelings. No, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's a perfect way to. What a succinct thought. Yeah. So I want to know uh, then, like, what are what are your final thoughts on this? Yeah, I I think that's that's really my thought on it. It's just like I think I feel like it's a a movie of the time, a socio political artifact of 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 individual life for this generation at this point of lifetime. Um, it feels. I mean, that character just turned 30 in the movie. Um, I just turned 31 last year. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be oh, 32 yeah, I just turned 30 this year. last year, man. <laughs> yeah, you just turned 32. So this movie feels so relevant to us and our stories. Um, but so overall, like, um, you know, I'm going to give it a 9.4 star buttholes. I'm so glad. I was going to, that's exactly what I was suggesting. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've said it a, a bunch of times already. It, this film just felt real. It felt authentic. It felt like it was telling a story. While I haven't like lived through all of that myself, parts of it like really felt like they reflected what I had gone through. So I, I would I give this eight out of ten buttholes. Nice. I thought it was great. That's wonderful. And also the acting, like the moment when she realizes that wave of relief when she uh, isn't going to have the baby and she miscarried. Right. Amazing. The like, just that slight. It's so subtle, and it says everything. So I'm guessing we would both recommend this movie. Hard recommend, no matter what your preference for language is. Yeah, it, it just, again, it's such... I hate saying it's a bummer it's in Norwegian because it's still really good. I just know that this would have absolutely killed if it was in English. Yeah, it's a bummer that we have... That, like, that's our viewing experiences. Like, things need to be in English for yeah. them to even be marketed here. Yeah. So, again, I would just still promote. Go see go see it. doesn't matter that it's not in English. It's wonderful. You'll have a good time with it. And uh, with that, we're going to close this out. Uh, as always, uh, thank you for being on, Calvin. Ah, thanks for having me. And uh, you can find our podcast on any platform like Apple Music or Spotify. We also upload all these to YouTube. So go ahead and leave a comment. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And if you have any suggestions for movies we should review in the future, go ahead and leave them in the comments. And uh, thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting.